number of right-wing populist leaders in Europe have recently been aligning themselves with Vladimir Putin, despite his actions in Ukraine. But instead of losing support, political figureheads like Viktor Orban in Hungary and Marine Le Pen in France have increased their popularity, with Orban easily clinching re-election earlier this month. To explain how the war in Ukraine is bolstering populism around Europe is Dr. Gerhard Schneider, Director of the Institute of International Management at Loughborough University, London. Hello, Gerhard. Welcome. Hi, Pete. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Um, Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself um, and what you do, what your area of research is, please? Yes, so my name is Gerhard Schneider. I'm the director of the Institute for International Management here at Loughborough University, London. Um, I'm a political scientist by background, but then increasingly got into management studies, political economy and that sort of things. And in that context, I um, worked on the impact of populism on multinational corporations initially in Hungary, um, collaboration with my colleague, Dori Chalet, who is at the LSE. And um, we got uh, funding through the North Face governance uh, project or program, I should say, uh, for a project called Popback, Populist Backlash and Democratic Backsliding in the European Union. And so it's in the context of that uh, project, which involves eight partner universities across Europe and the US, um, that we study sort of the impact of populism on various aspects of Western European societies and Central European societies and and economies as well. Uh, We're recording for quite a general audience. And so I said I would ask you some simple questions. So we'll start with the simplest. Um, Could you explain what populism is? No, I'm afraid not. (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's a very contested and complicated concept in a sense. I mean, people don't agree what populism is and what isn't, you know. So that's where the problem starts in a sense, right? No, but I, I'm sort of semi-joking, but it, yeah. it really is not as clear as, as one would think that easy to explain. But I would say, so uh, sort of very common definition is that it is, um, that's where the disagreement starts. Is it a political strategy? Has it any content or is it just a rhetorical device or a narrative in a sense? One of the key aspects that it uh, that characterizes populism is this opposition between the people, the pure, you know, and... Uh, virtuous people versus the the elites, the you know corrupt elites, the the unpatriotic elites. That that's sort of core to any populist discourse or movement or political group, in a sense. And and so in a in a sense, we we start with this basic definition. I think uh, so: the us versus them, in terms of the people versus the elites, and um, and then it, it comes with all sorts of you know refinements in terms of you know what exactly comes off from from this basic opposition between people versus the elites it's always it's almost like a liberation movement of you know um giving power back to the people um get rid of the corrupt elites for the benefit of of the country and so forth where where, where are its roots where do they originate from so it's got a, a, a very, very long history. I mean, so, so, so some scholars call, call populism the, the shadow of democracy. So ever since we've had democracy, we've had populism. So all the way back to Athens and, and you know, uh, the an- an- antique uh, democracies. 
Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's it, the term. Um, you say it goes all the way back to ancient Greece, but the terms only really become popular coming sort of coming to the um, public forum in recent years, hasn't it? Um, it depends a bit on which countries and which period yeah. to look at. In in Latin America, there's a there's a long tradition of populism, you know, uh, in the 20th century, right? I mean, okay. before it became. You're right. Obviously, in, in Europe and the US, it became you know, a phenomenon again in the 21st century, perhaps maybe late 20th century, but Latin America has had populist movements throughout the 20th. It also, I mean, you know, the progressive movement in the US at the in the late 19th century also was a populist movement that to some extent was called that. Um, so, so there are, you know, it's sporadically, you know, crops up sort of in history. And in, in a sense, that's why it's the shadow of democracy, right? It's, and that's why some people think populism is healthy or at least inevitable in terms of its corrective to representative democracy. It's not new, but it's 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 come back big time in recent years. Yeah. Where where is it found most? Where would you find? I mean, you um, you mentioned Hungary, um, um, Holland, um, mm -hmm. Italy. Where where would you? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's a bit everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, Switzerland has had one of the most a successful populist parties since the 1980s actually you know became okay. the biggest party in the par in parliament by the early 20th 21st century um it, it's also very prominent you know in in, in greece um it, also in spain where it's more left-wing populism italy mm. to some extent is also more you know left-wing populism than right-wing populism mm. yeah you, you mentioned the netherlands um i would say the uk is currently yeah. being ruled by populists yeah. And, and also going back to something you said before, you have all these these splinters, which have the basic um, very sort of, like, as you say, basic tenants of of the movement. But um, like you've just mentioned, you have right wing, you have left wing. How many different within Europe, how many different types are there and where, where do you see them? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So um, I think it's, you know, depending on how closely you look, you could probably find as many types of populisms as there are countries in the sense that you know all of them have some sort of idiosyncratic aspect that makes them different from others obviously you know adapted to the context in which they emerge and so um Cass Mude, who is uh, one of the experts on populism political scientist he calls it a donut ideology meaning it's got a hole in the center so it's got you know this core of us versus them uh, people versus the elite and, and you fill it with whatever you want, right? So it's a very flexible concept that can take all sorts of shapes, which also make it obviously difficult to then pin down what is and what is yeah, populism. Yeah. Like a malleable franchise. So you just, you just, like you say, fill it with whatever you, whatever, exactly. you, whatever you need, I suppose. That's um, right, yeah. Can you, can you give me an example of some of the things that it's achieved in, in recent past? It's, it's brought back a discussion about democracy you know that we hadn't had so 1991 end of uh, you know soviet union and and end of history as you know some people uh, called it right so the victory of liberal democracy as the uncontested best system whereby people live you know um and that was that was the ideology of the 1990s right there was no question that there's no alternative to liberal democracy and capitalism populism has thrown that belief completely you know in this array and and it's you know it's it's once again highlighted that there's something not quite right with many of 
the Western societies and that people are actually not happy <laughs> with what has emerged since the 1990s. So that's, you know, to some extent, that's a, a, that's a merit of, of populism, right? I mean, or, I mean, you could also say populism is just a symptom of, of, of that sentiment of, of um, discontent, as it yeah. were. How has the war in Ukraine um, aided some of the um, populist politics in Europe? I think fundamentally, the war in Ukraine is first and foremost a, a big challenge for populists in, in Europe, right? Because, I mean, siding with Putin against domestic governments uh, for populists in opposition has always been sort of a, a media stunt that they that they like to pull in a sense, right? Um, you remember Salvini wearing a Putin t-shirt on the Red Square in Moscow, um, you you remember perhaps you know uh, Marine Le Pen in France having a picture taken during the 2017 election campaign, shaking hands with Putin. It's always had this you know factor of you know provocation, but also showing we stand for something different. You know we we reject this you know softy liberal um, mm. you know. Um, globalist approach of, of, of Western Europe that our governments adopt and we, we stand for, you know, what Orban called the illiberal democracy model that's more traditional, more religiously informed and so forth. So um, obviously now with the war, that proximity to Putin and many of them, you know, Marine Le Pen said, you know, she admired Putin as a great patriot and, you know, um, Orban has met uh, Putin 12 times in his 12 years in, in, in government. And so every year he goes to Moscow and shakes hand with Putin. Right. That, that became a problem initially, right? And quite frankly, I expected it to, you know, to force these uh, populists to take the distances from Putin. Yeah. But in, in actual fact, that's not what, what has happened now. Uh, Hungary had... Um, an election and Orban was re-elected with again a two-thirds majority against many expectations because for the first time the opposition was united six parties choosing one candidate backing one candidate and there was some hope that um, Orban would I mean hope from the opposition that Orban would lose uh, the election but he won again with two-thirds majority and that's quite astonishing in the current context right because again you know especially if you compare it to Poland, you know, where um, the Polish populist government, you know, is takes a very anti-Putin stance, right? And is very solidaristic with Ukraine. And, and, and so, um, so in, in, in Hungary, um, you know, the, the proximity to Putin hasn't harmed Orban's electoral uh, campaign. And the same is true for France. Where you can see that uh, Marine Le Pen is, uh, you know, polling very well. I mean, she may actually. I mean, if you ask me to to put money on any of the two candidates, um, Macron or Le Pen, my money would be on on Le Pen. Okay. So, so, but to me, to me, that's a puzzle, you know, to explain, um, you know, why why did this proximity yeah. to Putin not hurt them? And how how is that? You, you mentioned Hungary and and Poland. How has that? Um that difference in opinion of Putin affected the pair of them, affected those two countries? So it, it has affected them um, in very important ways, in the sense that um, Hungary and Poland have always had each other's back, right, especially in the, in the, in the EU, at the EU level. So whenever um, 
the Commission or the Parliament wanted to do something against democratic backsliding in Poland, uh, Hungary would back Poland in voting, veto, vetoing any any measures and so forth. And that's now completely again, you know, um, is being completely um, put in question with um, Orban being literally the only European leader uh, currently in government openly backing or at least not distancing himself from Putin yeah. as much. He criticizes Zelensky. Um, you know, he, he is clearly remained pro-Russian, right? Yeah. And, and that has driven a wedge between the two countries. And it means that Orban is currently completely isolated in that respect. Yeah. In the um, EU, well, what sort? Can you can you explain the the public support that that right wing populism has in the West? Then, what are the underlying reasons for it? Yeah, so I mean, if you if you ask me about right wing populist support in general, I mean, you know, it's again, it's a huge debate, right? There's essentially two theses. One is the cultural backlash thesis, and the other one is sort of the more socioeconomic explanation. So the cultural backlash thesis really is uh, there's a certain group of people in society who are uncomfortable with the way you know our cultural values are going towards more pluralism, towards more you know um, you know all, all the, the gender fluidity debate. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of rhetoric around that as well, and political rhetoric, isn't there? Th that's right, absolutely. Yeah. And and so people who buy into this thesis, you know, see populism essentially as a you know a question of ideas, right? A, a battle of ideas, war on woke in this country, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Boris Johnson, Nadine Duris, and so forth. Um, whereas uh, the socioeconomic explanation, you know, uh, looks more at where does the discontent come from that leads people to reject the establishment, you know, the current, even going as far as rejecting democracy itself. And, and, and these are studies, you know, more in sort of economics and political economy that look at, you know, um, what are the socioeconomic characteristics that make people vote for populists? And, you know, one of the things we've learned in this country, you know, Brexit was very massively backed by people in the so-called red wall seats right in formerly industrialized countries there are studies that show you know what determines vote for populist parties are things like experience with unemployment so you know economic uncertainty declining living standards and so forth i mean in my view you know it's probably a bit of both right um, or rather you know socioeconomic factors make people open to certain ideas, right? And yeah. uncertainty makes people open. So that, that's the fundamental reason why people vote for populists, in my view. Okay. And what, so what are the implications for, for democracy as a result of this growing support? Mm. So that, that's, that's an excellent question. That's, that's the million dollar question, right? So again, <laughs> as a, you know, I've got quite a few colleagues and friends, you know, um, who are, you know, self-defined as left-wing, but, you know, do not want to condemn people who vote for, you know, uh, Rassemblement National in France or, you know, Flams Bloc or whatever these populists are called, um, saying, well, this is a legitimate expression of democratic opinions, you know, they have a reason to vote the way they do, and we should, you know, welcome that as an expression of opinion. And that's precisely where I think the war in Ukraine sends off some alarm bells, in my view, in the sense that, you know, let take Orban. Since 2014, he has uh, argued that, you know, what he wants is an illiberal democracy, right? So 
he's not anti-democratic according to his own um, you know statements but he wants a different form of democracy and obviously you can argue whether you know uh, liberal democracy based on values such as pluralism and you know uh, free press and so forth is is or is not the ideal system um, he suggests we can have a different form of democracy where you know the, the values we live by are more conservative uh, traditional family values uh, the women have children and stay at home and that sort of things right now i'm increasingly doubtful that that's where this you know, democratic backsliding stops. I mean, you know, it's one thing to move from one sort of democracy to another sort, but uh, I mean, Putin has shown since he came to power that, that the movement may go beyond illiberal democracy to outright aut autocracy, right? Oh, Which absolutely. is what, what, yeah. what Russia is now. And so I think there is a cautionary tale in all this, right? That, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's quite striking to see that what, uh, Orban did, you know, is essentially, you know, five years behind what Putin did, step by step, taking control of the media and so forth. You really have to wonder, does it stop or, you know, at illiberal democracy or does it go further, mm. right? Is that a logical progression then for populism? Um, is, yeah. that, is that, a, a, I wouldn't say inevitable, but is that a way that it could possibly go all the, all the time? <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I think there's a distinct possibility that, you know, perhaps... Democracy without liberalism, you know, it does not does not work, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm, so our project is only in its first year. We've got three years on the project, and perhaps in two years' time, I'll have a firmer answer to you. Yeah. But that's one of the questions we we're asking, right? I mean, what what's the link between liberalism and democracy, right? I mean, are, are other forms of democracy such as you know, sort of the plebiscitarian democracy where you know it's the opinion of 51 percent of population that counts and the minorities are disregarded that's a form of democracy but it's certainly not liberal right because liberalism is based on individual rights and so forth so to answer your question sorry if i'm too, <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. too much but to, to, to answer your question about you know is it is it a logical progression i think to some extent in liberal democracy once you um dismantle the, the, the barriers to majoritarian rule and to the power of, you know, the constitutional limits to governmental power, then of course nothing prevents those in power to move all the way to autocracy, right? Mm -hmm. and, and hence it's maybe not, they may not choose to do that, yeah. but the sort of person who wants as much power as an Orban, as a Putin, yeah. they tend to be the sort of person who want an autocracy, right? Yeah. Uh, hence, yeah. hence, maybe there is a, an inevitability in in this in this in this yeah. change. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Thank you very much. I think I think we'll leave it there. That's, that was really that was really clear, and <laughs> you helped me understand it. So you must have done a good job. Um, thank you very much, Gerhard. It's been great having you on. No worries at all. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Thank you for listening or watching if you're on YouTube. This show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all other platforms. I hope you join us again.